You are listening to the Business RPG Podcast, a show where you can learn from successful nerds and find the tools that you need to grow your nerdy business or project. I'm your host, Sir Isaac, and I would like to extend this open invitation to anyone who would like to connect. Go ahead, pull out your phone, look me up on Instagram at Business RPG. That is the easiest way to get a hold of me if you have a question, if you have a suggestion, a comment, a complaint, a concern, etc. If there's anything that I can do, to communicate with you and give value, go ahead and find me on there. And guys, let me tell you, October is going to be a very good action-packed month. And and I would count this episode in that lineup as well. This was an excellent interview. The month of October, we have some amazing guests coming on and sitting in, having conversations. I am very, very excited for this fall and for this Q4 that we're going to be getting into soon. It's almost here. Are you ready, business nerds? Uh, we, we have a lot going on. So to kick things off, I thought I would go ahead and do a giveaway. For the first couple weeks going into October, you have an opportunity to win some D&D minis. That's right. You can go over to Instagram. Look me up again. I am at businessrpg, and there will be a post with all the details on how to enter there, the different ways that you can enter, the number of times that you can enter. But I just thought I'd like to do this. I haven't done one for a while. Side note. You will only be able to win if you are within the U.S. I apologize, but I just can't afford to ship outside of the U.S. right now. Hopefully, we can go back to where wherever you're at, I can ship it to you. Uh, But right now, it's just not in the budget. So to win, you have to be in the USA. But if you'd like to enter and you're outside of the USA, you are welcome to do so. Maybe there's a constellation that I can present, like some extra entries in the next drawing and and whatnot if if you were to win. But guys, I, I appreciate the support. Just want to be completely transparent about that. The winner can only be in the US for this giveaway. Okay, so all that's out of the way, guys. Let's start talking about this episode. I'm really, really, really excited. Josh Edwards came on the show from Nerdwood Designs. Now, before I tell you about that and we go into the episode, I wanted to talk about what it looked like for you to start taking on your nerdy business or project. Specifically, in the conversation that I have with Josh, we talked about what it looked like to go into doing it full-time. Going in and doing this as being an entrepreneur or solopreneur, and his insights were most relatable and most excellent. But I, I wanted to ask, what does that look like for you? Is it scary specifically? The answer is yes. Doing something full-time as an entrepreneur, your passion project that you're turning into a business, whatever have you, it is scary. It is petrifying. It can freeze you in your tracks and it doesn't even have to be full time to be something that just makes you want to shut down. Part-time gigs can be this way. Even, even back, back to the projects part of the audience, people who are working on something that they're passionate about, forgetting the money, not, not, not worrying about that, not worrying about the profit or anything like that. It can still be overwhelming. And so what I wanted to ask is a, what does that look like? And if it's scary, but also what works for you to get around that? I I know what works for me. A lot of it is, a lot of it pertains to faith. A lot of it also pertains to just putting one foot in front of the other and taking things a day at a time. But also having people around me that encourage me. And, and this podcast is actually one of the big boons that I have when it comes to moving forward because I have people that I can talk to now. 
and and it, it and it's great and I have you guys in the audience who are always having these conversations with me but what works for you that that's what I would like you to think about going into this I would like you to find what works for you when it comes to facing that fear of getting started or facing that fear of going through it after you've already started and I really hope you get something out of this episode Josh Edwards of Nerdwood Designs is the creator, designer, entrepreneur, all those titles behind Nerdwood Designs. He is a store owner. He does a lot of his work uh, through online platforms such as his own website and Etsy. He also does a lot of in-person events and I actually have been wanting to have someone on who did products like this, but also someone who did some of those events to pick their brain about, you know, how do you do it? What advice do you have? What are the profit margins, the business model, all these things. And he delivered. This is a two part episode. If you missed that in the title already, the second part is actually going to air on Thursday. So you're not going to have to wait till next week to get it. I just wanted to go ahead and break these into two parts going forward, trying, trying to just get a new time on episodes and, and put that together there. It, it was just too long for one episode. So before we start the episode, though, be sure you do this for me. Pause the episode right here and be sure that you are subscribed. You can scroll up, scroll down, wherever you find that follow or subscribe button, whatever platform you're on. And if you'd really, really like to help out the show, be sure that you go over to Apple iTunes and leave a five-star review. I am setting a goal by the end of the year, I would really like to get to 20 reviews. I I think I shared it already, but there are some stats behind the reviews of Apple podcast and I'm, I'm making that a goal. I am starting to take the show more and more seriously and I would really like to extend this invitation or this request really to anyone who would like to help to please come on and help me out with that really small, small bit of your time. But with all that being said, let's start the interview. Josh, welcome to the Business RPG. Hello, thanks for having me. I'm glad that you were able to come on. You have some amazing work that you're doing, but go ahead and introduce who you are and tell us about Nerdwood Designs. Sure. Um, my name is Josh Edwards. Um, my uh, company is called Nerdwood Designs, um, and company. It's really just me. Um, <laughs> I started this as a casual hobby. Um, and it eventually grew into what it is now. And my main interests are, you know, all sorts of fandom and, uh, you know, pop culture, nerdy stuff that I find interesting. And I decide to make things based around. Turns out a lot of people are into the same stuff. Who would have thought? You bet they are. Yeah. <laughs> So what is the scope of what you make? I, I see signs. I see candles. Give me the whole library. What is it that you can and can't do? Sure. I, uh, I tend to work primarily with you know, wall art, like kind of cool nerdy themed fandom decor. Um, obviously soy candles you'd mentioned too, themed soy candles. Um, but I also do a lot of tabletop gaming stuff. Um, the, I guess the scope in the physical sense is um, small to medium size. Um, I know that's not uh, a real barometer for um, price or even you know different materials or whatnot. Um, I, I don't really do so much furniture. Um, I, I'd like to, but me being 
the only person in my company, um, it's difficult to be able to uh, pull myself in so many different directions. Mm-hmm. And furniture making um, is a big time investment, which I would like to do sometime. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of wall art and signs and stuff you see in your favorite movies and pop culture and video games and Dungeons and Dragons and accessories to go along with it. And uh, any anything that anyone is into uh, in regards to pop culture and nerd fandom, um, I probably make something tangential to it. And and you're not joking. I mean there's there's obscure references to D&D, mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings, back to D&D, Cthulhu. Yeah. I mean even w- way far back I I did stuff just based around the shows that I loved that did like uh arrested development stuff and you know and game of thrones and back to the future and ghostbusters and a- anything that i was into i would just i would just try and make something based around it in just the hopes that someone would appreciate that same level of interest and maybe that that deep cut quote that <laughs> you know mm-hmm. has hung around my brain for three decades so how did all this start were you just board or like you you wanted to make a sign and and you took to it tell me the story there yeah it just sort of uh, i mean it was really born from my severe dissatisfaction in the retail field i had been in retail for a long 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 time and um toward the end now i know what the end of my involvement with retail was i was just i was feeling incredibly unfulfilled uh it, it, it didn't feel rewarding anymore. Uh, I was, you know, slinging another company's merchandise with no emotional attachment to it whatsoever. The glass ceiling, you know, I didn't feel I wanted to advance unappreciated. Um, and instead of going home and, uh, you know, decompressing by uh, getting drunk or, you know, uh, doing any sort of uh, destructive behavior, uh, I decided to go home and try and make something. Uh, and I was never really schooled or um, taught woodwork or painting or artistic skills. It's just stuff that you you know you see someone do, and you're like, I think I'd like to try and do something like that. Um, and I did. And you know, when I look back now, it's funny. I'm like, wow, I, I did that. Like, it seems to me like so amateurish. And it's fine. It was. It was my first foray into doing what i'm doing but i was i was basically making stencils you know using spray paint and and stuff you get at home depot and lowe's and doing minimalist style stencil paintings on big wooden canvases that i would paint the background but all based around stuff that i loved like like i said quotes from back to the future and from ghostbusters and indiana jones and star wars and the main thing that drove me is I wanted to do something different. Um, I want to do something creative and the end result, I wanted to be something that I wanted in my house. I wanted to hang, I wanted to use I had zero interest or even motivation to show it to other people. You know, I was like, no, this is good enough probably for just me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, a couple of my friends saw it and one of them, he was an artist. He was a great painter, more graffiti style art, but it was all, also um, nerdy and fandom based. And he said, why don't you come bring some of your stuff? I'm doing this little first Friday thing where there's like eight tents and a few artists and we're going to have drinks and food and people are going to come and maybe buy your stuff. And I was like, no way. 
no way i'm i'm not showing my stuff to people that's ridiculous my it's everybody else like all these people can paint and they've been doing it on canvas and whatever their medium is they're good at it they trained at it they took classes and i'm just you know farting around in my garage and it was kind of like the catalyst and people came out and they dug it they liked what i made and i was real humble i was like no this is this is garbage and i sold it for close to nothing that's all these giant like wooden pieces that took me hours and hours i'm like i don't know 40 dollars <laughs> yeah but it, it it inspired me to to keep doing stuff and you know again it's not like it was a, a revelation that other people were also into all of these movies and video games and shows that i liked that was obvious but they were into it enough that they would like something unique and one of a kind and not mass produced um even if you know Looking back at what I did at the time, I feel like the quality wasn't super great, but I put something into it. I put myself into it, and I think that became um, reflected in what they saw. So it was real encouraging, and then I just kind of kept going from there. Evolved many, 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 many times, but that's part of it. That's part of the creative process. It's supposed to evolve. You now, part of the joy of doing what I do is I get to hear the story of how these amazing businesses or projects are made. And there's this finite point where there's the people who make it and then there's everyone else. And then it's just whether or not they, they did that first event or they, they took that plunge. Mm -hmm. And it's fascinating to see how far some people might go and then see where they could have gone based off of something like, like what you do, where if it was a hobby or if it was just a one-time event, boom, now, now you're a solopreneur. Th yeah. This is your income. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And, you know, anybody can stay awake at night and think about what could have been, what might have been, what you might have done. And um, maybe, I don't know, maybe in self-reflection, I think I'm the type of person who has been unafraid to take some calculated risks. Um, I moved from my small town in California to Las Vegas, Nevada when I was like 22 based on a conversation I had with a friend over the weekend who said, Hey, I'm looking for a roommate in Vegas. You want to move? And I was like, yeah, kind of do. Okay. <laughs> and you know, I, I, I did a little homework into it, but um, I guess taking some of those leaps is uh, liberating. And I've always felt that I had enough, I guess, confidence in myself that if it all failed, I could figure something out. You know, I had good work ethic. I could get a job somewhere else or I could, move back somewhere else. You know, I, I, I've got support from my family and things like that. And, uh, I just felt like I was able to do that. And going back to when I first started and doing all this, like what I call like silly stencil artwork in the beginning, um, it began to change a little bit. People liked it. I did some smaller events and around the same time that that was on like a real upward swing, my retail interest was kind of coming down on the other side. And at one point I, I just decided I was done. And it seems crazy. Like with this company, I was seven years in retail. I was like 20 years and I was like, I'm quitting, you know, and people were like to do what? I was like, I don't know to do this thing. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. It seems crazy. It still seems crazy. When I think about it, my dad thought it was crazy. <laughs> My mom thought it was crazy, and I was like, I, you know what? If it, I want to try it. If it doesn't work out, I'll find something. I'm, I've got a lot of experience. Yeah, I'm leaving something behind, but it's something I wasn't happy with. So 
I want to try something I might be happy with. Not everybody has that, I guess, uh, level of comfort or confidence or whatever it is, but I don't know. I did. I'm so glad I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a struggle many times. It still is, but man, it feels good. Yes, it does. And whenever someone like you asks me, like, how long you've been doing this? And I kind of do that. Like, I don't have that in my brain, like that date. I do have the date I left retail saved in my calendar because that's a milestone for me. But, um, you know, I think about like, wow, I really have been doing this that long. And I haven't needed to whatever, you know, to uh, uh, fall back on that plan B or plan C or anything like that. So it's pretty cool. feels good. What did that transition look like? Because it's scary. Speaking from experience, it is scary. Yeah. Um, you, you know, the, the safety net is gone. You can tell yourself whatever you want, but in reality, you're, you're taking a major step. What, what did that look like? Like, how, how did that change your work output, your, your out view on the business? What, what, what did that process kind of look like? I mean, for sure, it was scary. Um, and I think, you know, that's in hindsight, that's one of the, uh, big qualities of, of how it turned out the way it was. Fear can be an incredible motivator, um, you know, in the right context. Um, and sometimes comfort can be the thing that keeps you in place, can strangle you a little bit. Um, so getting out of your comfort zone a little bit is, is a, a big deal. Um, and at first I, I felt just freed. I'm like, ah, I don't have to go to work. And I, I took some time off. I, I took it easy for a while. I, hadn't had that in the longest time. Um, but then it came in reality. It's like, okay, wait, this is my career now. <laughs> so I can't just screw around all the time. Mm-hmm. I've got to do something with it. Um, but you know, as I had my own schedule now, um, I tried making new stuff, showing it to more people. Um, I tried signing up for, you know, random art shows, even different States. I was still in Las Vegas at the time. So I tried to go out to like um, Phoenix and Tucson and did a couple of shows in like Utah and California. I just tried to get in wherever I could get in to show my stuff to more audiences to, you know, uh, hopefully get some feedback. And sometimes I would uncomfortably solicit feedback from people like that. Like, what do you like about this? What don't you like about mm-hmm. this? But really, it was just getting out there and kind of seeing if that sort of thing was for me. Um, self-promoting is always hard it's still hard i'm not good at it but um yeah it it, it, that that transition was uh was kind of crazy but again it was one of those things where um it's one of the best things that could have happened uh i was also realizing that las vegas wasn't the place that i wanted to be um it's not really known for art (laughs) you know people don't think like oh i'm going to las vegas to go see you know local artists Mm -hmm. nobody thinks that um they have a community of course but uh i eventually found my way up to the pacific northwest out here in portland um had some friends and family out here and just in a couple of visits realized the potential for conventions art shows craft fairs you know even farmers markets and, you know, uh, summer street fairs and stuff like that all over the place. They were everywhere. There were more to choose from than I could possibly even accept. Um, and that's part of it too. Like if you've got something that, that people need to see, you got to get it in front of their faces. So I just thought, you know, 
I can sell my place and uh, move to move to a location and a climate that I want to be in and find a new audience in, uh, I guess, a region of the U.S. that is, you know, well known for having a artistic and creative community. I was like, that's great. Um, I guess I need to do that. And then I took another leap and I just moved. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it makes sense. It makes sense to me. Let, let me let me say that. It makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But part of, I think, again, part of the reason that, that worked out was because I put myself in a position where I was all of a sudden a little bit uncomfortable, uncertain. Nobody was telling me what to do, when to do it, how often to do it. Um, I was my own boss, which double-edged sword for sure. <laughs> um, but I knew that I was probably going to have to go back to retail if I didn't put my best foot forward and didn't really try um, and, you know, lose some time, sleep and money in the meantime. But that's, that's also part of it. That's also really easy to say now, like, you know, the whole armchair quarterback thing, like, Oh yeah, I just did it. But at the time I was like, I, every other day I was like, what did I do? <laughs> um, Straight up. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you just push through that, I guess, and you, you try and make it work. I suppose I did so far. Let me ask about one of the things you brought up just now with the in-person events. So when it comes to selling, I want to say crafts, it's wood art, which crafts or whatever you want to make them. But I see that you have a big focus on Etsy, mm -hmm. but at the same time, in-person events seems like a really good way to generate exposure and make some sales. Um, now, where I'm at, there aren't a whole lot of in-person events. Take COVID out of the picture. There still aren't a whole lot of in-person events. I'm out in the sticks. But how does someone go about making a profit off of a farmer's market or an art show? I mean, is it as simple as walking in and putting a price tag on your art and just making it look good on a display? Or do you have like a formula or kind of like a, a network that you go with when it comes to where you go? how you go about it, how, how do you go about uh, a, an event? Sure. Um, well, if, if, I, if my previous comments hadn't alluded to it already, I am not an analytical person. <laughs> I'm a jump in with both feet and try it out type of person. Um, I'm definitely a chaotic good if we're going to. Uh, <laughs> we're going to go yes. into that. Yeah. Uh, excellent. Um, yeah. Uh, but, but, I mean, I have no problem with people that, that plan out every step, but I definitely don't do that. Um, so, yeah, eyes on the product is a huge deal. Um, and it's funny you mentioned crafts, just a real quick tangent. Mm -hmm. for, for the longest time, like whenever my mom, she'd tell me whenever she hears the word crafts or my dad, they, they, they say like, oh, it's like crochet yarn thing, like cute right. little stuff that old ladies do <laughs> like at the, at the little markets and they sell their crafts. And she was like, that's not your stuff. Don't call it crap. But I mean, everything is, you know, crafts if you make it from something else. So, um, but anyway, uh, yeah, for, for the, the, the shows, once I, once I kind of got my feet wet with, like I said, with my friends out in Vegas that finally convinced me to do an event and I did a bunch more, um, those are invaluable for so many reasons. And I even tell, um, 
people at conventions who maybe it's like their first or second show, if they're asking if they should do another show that maybe I have done before, like what's this like? Um, I'd say just do it. You're going to learn so much just by doing it and talking to other people. Every single event that I've done, regardless of the uh, success in terms of profit and sales and traffic, there has been you know, benefits that, that, that come along with it, no matter what I learn about a new event, I get a potential, um, custom request from someone later on, uh, someone, uh, you know, spreads the word uh, on social media and that blows up. Uh, there are just so many, so many different wins that you can have at these in-person events that again, like pre COVID, but even I've done a couple now mm-hmm. and, um, the energy that you get in talking to someone, uh, about like they're interested in something that I made. And when I talk about what I made, of course, like the passion is a hundred percent in there cause I made it. So that energy, um, you can't replicate that on Etsy. No problem with Etsy, but, uh, but those two, you know, the online presence and the in-person presence, those go hand in hand. Um, mm-hmm. And I get lots of people that have that have bought stuff online from me that have seen me at a show, and they've seen the product, and they maybe were on the fence, or just you know they followed me on social media, and then I posted something they liked, and they grabbed it. So I think those two go hand in hand. Um, when I when I first moved to Portland, again I was on that I've got to get my stuff out there thing, and the first full like calendar year. Um, that I was here, I think it was 2017, no, 2016, um, I booked every event that I could have. Uh, everything that was a, an art show or convention I applied for. At, by the end of the year, I had done 54 events, which is more than there are weeks of the year. <laughs> so there were some where I did like a couple of midweek farmers markets, and then I would do another small event that weekend. Um, the process was I had to figure out what was worth trying again, where the good markets were, what was a value for the booth fee. Um, you know, if the audience was good and you know, you can only read so much about them or go to them. Uh, without actually getting a full assessment of it. So I just tried everything I could and I went to every event and I learned a lot and I whittled that down over the years. And, um, but that, I mean, getting out there and doing that, the in-person stuff, and interacting with people and organizers, that's, that was the key, you know, that's, that's everything for sure. I had a follow-up question, but you just answered it. So I'm going to just, Oh, (laughs) no, 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 that's excellent. It's excellent. No, 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 don't apologize because you could still ask it. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to ask, so how do you find customers per se? I I know we just talked about events and Etsy does a lot of groundwork for people, whether you like the fact that they advertise everywhere or if you don't, that's still part of the deal is they're the middleman. They're there to generate the exposure. But how do you go about getting more eyes on what you do? What, what advice would you have for someone who's trying to do this? Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely my, you know, previous thing that I addressed, get it out there, get, get your physical self and your physical products in front of people's eyes and talk to people, be engaging, um, be friendly with them. Um, just show them, uh, 
you know, people remember that stuff. Um, word of mouth, any, any small business or even big business will tell you that word of mouth, that's, that's a huge proponent of it. And I've had a lot of people that, that have, I've done work for, and then they show their friends and then those friends order something from me or, you know, see me at an event. Um, and then those friends and friends and friends, it's just, it's, it's great. Um, and I wish I could, I had a visual, you know, like a whiteboard right. that would track some of those people. So I could like find those initial people saying, you, man, you <laughs> right. were the top of that pyramid. That, that was so helpful. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, pick up shows, pick up farmer's markets, do whatever you can. I was the odd duck out on so many like art shows. It was all very kind of like vanilla-y. Some of the, the, the just street fairs that I would do. It was like craft, as my mom and dad would say. <laughs> um, and then there was me that had like all this weird stuff with, uh, you know, people walking by. They're like, I don't get that. I'm like, that's from Ghostbusters. It's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's fine. Um, but then other people would come by like, oh, my God, I didn't expect to see something like that. Um, and responses like that make you feel real good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just the, the second half of that is just uh, deliver to the customers that you do get, you know, do quality work, um, go above and beyond, uh, respond quickly. Uh, you know, I, I pride myself on like Etsy. I have great reviews and I follow up with the people if they have any issues and I'll spend more time than sometimes I should on a product or a mock-up or something like that. But you know, uh, the review right, reviews are everything, you know, they really are. Um, and that goes a long way too. So I, I, I do like that Etsy has an established marketplace and that, you know, Etsy is like a physical store that sells a bunch of stuff. And, uh, if you, if your stuff sells well or gets good feedback from customers, they're going to put it on an end cap, you know, which is their advertisement. So, to mm-hmm. speak. um, so yeah, I guess just, I, I just went out of my way to make sure that my stuff is good quality, that is fairly represented in what I'm pictures show, that I deliver on time and I answer the questions and customer service. That's, that's where that retail background really came in handy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's part one of our interview with Josh Edwards over at Nerdwood Designs. Josh, thank you. Thank you for your time and thank you for coming on. I'm really excited to share part two with you guys. Be ready. It'll drop Thursday, 2 a.m. Central Time, USA. I left links to all of Josh's links as far as his Instagram, his Etsy, and his website, which is up and coming in the show notes below. So go down there, check them out, and use it to reference some of the different things that we talk about in the next episode and in this episode. You you can kind of keep up on there and just follow along while we talk. Guys, Thank you again for taking the time to listen. I hope that you have an amazing week and that you are gearing up for a great Q4. Also, don't forget the drawing. Go over to Instagram, figure out some details on how to enter that at Business RPG on Instagram. And with all that being said, guys, I hope you enjoy. <laughs>